welcome to episode 145. Today we embark on a transformative journey with Stephen Butcher, where we explore the profound wisdom of self-discovery, emotional resilience, and raising empowered kids. Tune in for a powerful conversation that will redefine your perspective on single parenthood and offer practical insights to elevate your parenting game. Today's guest is on a journey to discover what it means to live a life of purpose. His journey is one of transformation from a rational thinker trying to make sense of things to an intuitive soul at peace with the life around him. Steve is a writer, podcaster and founder of the Global Summit Event Community. He is also a single dad of one daughter. Thank you for reviewing, downloading and subscribing to our podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. Now be the messenger of hope and share this episode with one of your friends. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. It really does help to spread the message and help single parents not only survive, but thrive. Enjoy this conversation with Steve. Thank you to all my listeners out there and a special thank you to NAELCU for leaving us an amazing five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. There is still hope. This was a very engaging and insightful episode. I know that it will help many who are looking for answers and hope after separation or divorce. I personally will tune in again. Thank you, NAELCU, so much for leaving us this incredible review. If you like to be featured on the podcast, be sure to leave us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts to help single parent success stories be available worldwide and help single parents not only survive, but thrive. If you'd like to suggest a future topic for the podcast, please fill out feedback form located in episode notes. Something exciting happened as a result of this podcast on December 9, 2022. Soul Parent Book, Inspirational Wisdom and Guidance on Navigating Life as a Single Parent was born. This is a collection of the most inspiring and powerful stories from wonderful guests over the last 33 months in my podcast, Single Parent Success Stories. Stories of accomplishments, challenges, and breakthroughs of single parents as well as experts to help navigate the post-divorce journey. When I started my podcast, my goal was to create a guide to single parents by sharing inspiring stories that remind us there is light at the end of the tunnel. Nothing is lost. It's an opportunity for a rebirth and a reinventing of yourself. It's an opportunity to look at life and become conscious of where you are headed and an invitation to create a life by design. If you like to get a copy of the book, please follow links in the episode notes. All proceeds are going to the Kinship Charity. Welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. I am your host, Irina Shehovtsov, and I am on a mission to empower broken-hearted women to break the chains of the past and move forward boldly into the future. Single Parent Success Stories was created to inspire single parents out there who are struggling to help them realize what is possible. Hello and welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. Today's guest is Stephen Butcher. 
He is on a journey to discover what it means to live a life of purpose. His journey is one of transformation from a rational thinker trying to make sense of things to an intuitive soul at peace with the life around him. Steve is a writer, podcaster, and founded the Global Summit event community. He is also a single dad of one daughter. Welcome, Stephen. It is a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you so much, Yerna. Um, yeah, my daughter is grown, but throughout my life, you know, we I was in that single parenting role, and there's there's these challenges that we face. So we don't always end up into that space willingly, you know, sometimes that it can surprise you out of the blue. And uh, what I found in life is that this journey that we're on, it's about turning that reflection inward and it's learning about ourselves in this process. So for so many years, being a rational thinker, I was trying to make sense of life. I was trying to make sense of the actions of others. And what I realized is sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense is just wasting your energy and it's wasting your um, your brain power. And you end up in this life of being exhausted, always doubting yourself and never really trusting yourself. So what I've done through life is I realized, you know, if you're in that space, sometimes you can end up with partners that are just not the most beneficial, not only for yourself, but for your children. And what I've realized is if we turn that reflection inward, if we build up that trust, that will help with life. Because so often as a single parent, you're looking for someone to give you a reflection back of saying, yes, this is good, or, or you know, you're doing the right thing, because children are challenges. I mean, they will challenge us on the emotional scale of everything that we do. And that's their job. You know, they, they, they operate in this emotional space. Um, and if, if we're, if we're not strong in how we are and not being strong as being dictatorial, but being strong in being okay with being challenged and being okay with, um, who, you know, how we address things, it can be really difficult. So that's been my journey is to going from this place of, of not having that strength of, of knowing, yes, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is how I want life to be to, to moving into a space where you become curious and and you see what what it is that you see. It's almost as though I brought in the spiritual side of my life. It's almost as though you actually bring in that leadership and that and that that strength of of being. So I had to take from you know my thoughts, trying to make sense of everything. I had to just kind of set that off to the side, and I had to bring it. Excuse me, I had to bring in that. Um, that positivity, the, that spiritual side, you know, the higher self for God. And when I did that, it shifted the way that I processed um, and experienced life. Yeah. Because we are creators of our experience. We are, we are. And, and there was a, there was a great sense of peace that came in, which surprised me. I, I, I really thought that when I had this in these shifts usually come from emotional strain or emotional trauma you're you're under a, a, a tremendous amount of um stress whether it be through work or through your children or or life and you have to make a choice and this is where i realized that that choice has a huge impact on how we face up and you know, turn up in life and how we experience life so it's knowing what you want and it's making 
intentional choices towards how you feel, how you raise your children, and how you show up in life. So right. And just a little bit, how did you become a single parent? Was this um, an active decision or was it an accident? What what ha happened? And feel free to share as much or as little as you feel. So in my 20s, um, we we get attached to people that you know that we that we really care about and so a lot of times there's there's heightened emotions and everything that go along with that but sometimes we don't know the person that we are with and so um my partner uh we had a child and then we got married and then in the next over the next three years it was just evident that it wasn't meant to be and i don't know if anyone has gotten married where they had reservations already but over the next three years, there was there was just confirmation of those reservations. And there was things going on that were chemistry-based, you know, per, you know, physical chemistry-based problems. Um, but there's all of these challenges that come in with emotional regulation in the way that people view things. And so when you're with somebody, this is the, the most amazing time for self-awareness and self-reflection. And it's also the most most difficult time for, for being, because you're being challenged on the very core values of what you believe. So what happened was um, I got married and, and most of that was based off of, you know, some of the religious teachings I had when I was younger about raising a child and, and having the, the most optimistic view of what could be with, with creating a family and everything else. But I was quite low in my emotional intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know how to argue. I didn't know how to, you know, I was quite sensitive. There was just so many things that I brought into the relationship that that were not healthy. And then my partner had the same, right? The trauma from childhood, um, alcoholism within the family. There were issues with self sense of security, you know, low emotional cue there as well. And and just overall challenges to having a really positive you know, healthy relationship. And when you have a child, then that, that was that that gets exacerbated because there is heightened emotion or you know, heightened hormones, heightened emotions, and heightened expectations. So um, you know, after three years we did get divorced and uh and it was quite difficult, right? When you're when you're a single parent and and divorce tends to have really deep financial implications it has deep emotional implications and it leaves you in the space of of re-questioning you know everything and so that's that's where I was as I was looking at life and it took me close to um 40 years to really get it to understand what it was that that should have been and and the life journey and and the challenges that we face that that really is a positive space that it it hurts at the time. It's really difficult at the time, but that's where we get the most growth. And even my family tried to put me in this space of being angry, but I, I avoided that, that space of anger. You know, I would actually shut down rather than become angry because I didn't like that feeling. And I realize now that it's okay to be angry <laughs> and that that is in some cases, not physical anger where you're beating, you know, beating on somebody and things like that. What I'm saying is to, to have a boundary and to say, this is not okay. And I am worth more. 
And, and to question that, if you're putting up with someone not treating you well, it's, it's wondering, why are you doing that? Why are you letting someone treat you that way? Or more importantly, why are you feeling that way? What we have within our mental space is we've got all of these role identities and we will let somebody treat us a certain way because they're the father of our child or the mother of our child, whether they're a husband or a, or a wife, whether they're a mother or a father. We have all of these ideas of, of what people are and how they should act. But people don't act that way. They Everyone has their different identity of who, who they are as a, in that role. And what we have the capability of doing is challenging what we believe about each one of those roles at any time. So when we're acting as, as the mother of a child or a father of a child, we will act differently than we're acting as a friend or acting as an employee. So it's balancing what it is that we believe to be true and then really stepping back and, and questioning those beliefs in a way that can be the best, not only for ourselves but for the child. And I think, you know, you really, we talk about self-care and things like that a lot within the group that I'm involved with, the, the Global Summit events and the Better Life series. It's so critical because the kids learn more from modeling, especially when they're young, than they ever will by um, what we say to them. You're right. It doesn't matter what we say. It's more what we do. So what helped you overcome your struggles? So time, time was the, was the biggest thing. And, and I struggled my entire parenting life. I mean, I, I, I never really understood that it's by having that inner strength is the best way that you can um, forge those bonds there's a, a few things that are expectations, like especially if you're sensitive, it's it's knowing what you want and it's placing that expectation. But it's it's a challenge because if you're trying to set up a good dialogue or a good um, interaction with your child, it's knowing how to manage that in a in a constructive way. So what I'm saying is, like if you're trying to establish communication, establish those phone calls early, especially if you're if you're doing co-parenting where your child is going to another space, it's when they're young, it's establishing those regular phone calls where you where you have a schedule, you keep to the schedule, and you build into that child a habit of communication. Because there will be a time when they're seeking their independence and they're finding who they are, that they will rebel against that a little bit. But if you have that core training built in, then they'll come back to that at some point. And the biggest thing is about being curious. It's It's letting them discover on their own what it is that that they're there to discover it allowing them to make mistakes but celebrating those mistakes as a triumph so it's it's teaching them how to face a mistake or or face a challenge and not criticize them for it or not you know not make it too extreme but to turn it into a problem solving opportunity that okay you made a mistake um how can we or how can you um change this into a different outcome and I think if you can if you can teach your child that, uh, it, it's amazing. There was a story that happened, and this story was about it, it's it's with one one of my friends, Stuart Elliott, and he was talking about his daughter, and he's become a parent quite you know, later on in age. And his daughter came up and she was just upset because she was drawing a picture. Her sister bumped her arm, and now her strawberry and her cake was was or now this 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 thing on the cake was a line, and she was really upset about it, and. 
it could have turned into something quite, you know, dividing where, oh, the sister did this, that was wrong of the sister, you know, I'm going to go talk to the sister and all this. But the father, he was making a making the dinner and he goes, well, well I wonder if that could be a strawberry. <laughs> and she went on and disappeared for a little while and came back later on. Not only was there one strawberry that was on the top of this cake, but two. And she was really proud of it. The The most important thing was a couple of weeks later, she had come back from an art class and she had made a mistake uh, you know she picked the wrong wrong color or something happened and all of a sudden in the middle of her painting was this error where she would have been upset earlier she spent the next 15 minutes telling her dad how she fixed that mistake and it was such a beautiful story she was so excited that she was able to fix that problem and i think that that's something that we that we forget about is we're so busy trying to protect our children and trying to keep them from making mistakes that we forget that that overcoming those mistakes are some of the the most beautiful times that we can have in this life. You're right, because in our capacity of you know being overprotective and you know making sure nothing bad happens, <laughs> we sometimes cross over the boundary and give the solution instead of letting the child arrive there on their own, maybe guiding them along a little bit. So speaking of that, what do you think is the most important trait to instill in a child? So I think I think it's it's that so it, you, we have to go back to our core value, right? So the most important trait is going to be what this what this child brings to this world, right? They will have their own important trait. But I do believe that it's self-acceptance. You know, there's 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 a couple of things that we talk about is and with the, the Wellness Wednesday program, which is an offshoot of the Global Summit events, every Wednesday we talk about mental wellness and different things that come up. We had a discussion about um, how to raise a happy child. And so within that discussion, we we kind of dive deep and we look at, okay, what can, um, you know, what do people believe? What have people experienced? How can we use this information to to grow from it? If If I were to take one concept and bring that forward and say, okay, this is going to ha raise a happy child, which is what really what we're all after. It's to help them find a sense of gratitude and this emotional sense of self where they're not little tyrants. They're not comparing themselves to other, but they're comparing themselves to themselves the previous day. So it's working with them constantly to make this growth mindset, which is you're not a smart person. You're not a smart boy or you're not a smart girl. You do this quite well. You are, you know, very good at studying or, you know, the, the, but through effort and through work, you get better at everything that you do. And there is a challenge there because there, there are levels of hierarchy where not everyone's going to be a, a star singer, a star football player, um, but teaching them to, to know, okay, this is what you love to do. And how can you become better at that? You know, how much training, how much do you want to do to, to experience what it is that you experience? And I think if you do that, I think the child will be quite, you know, they will learn that they can do anything, but is it something that they want to do? Yeah. So how do you discover something that they want to do? Do you encourage them if you see a natural talent? Uh, do you push them in that direction or do you just let them explore on their own? 
So I that's a challenge because we are inherently lazy creatures. Exactly. <laughs> and but but at the same time, we don't want to um you know, we don't want to make this a, a miserable life. And so if it, again it goes back to that training, if you can in so many of the parents that I have, you know, they they put pressure on their ch children to be involved in in activities that will make them social in activities that will help them become stronger or smarter or all of these different things. And if there's a balance there, it's, it's really good, but you're going to get natural resistance. Like there's, there's six, there's six personality traits. So you have, and, and they go by ocean. These are, these are psychological personality traits. It's, it's ocean openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, you know, and the opposite of that being introversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Neuroticism is how emotional you are. And the sixth one that's been added to that is how honest you are. And every one of those is a, is a personality trait that if you test and, and someone measures on the scale from, from, you know, from like agreeable to whatever the opposite of that is, not agreeable, um, you will find a way that they'll kind of end up in life. So it's a good predictor. And there's so much that goes in with, with knowing the the mindset and and how to how to deal with somebody you know when somebody's highly agreeable um then you could just ask them to do something and they will tend to do it if they're on the opposite side this is where that reverse psychology comes into play right so if they're if they're the opposite you tell them the opposite and they will do the opposite right right so and it all works out it's okay it's being it's being creative as a parent to try to figure out okay what kind of child do you have um but i do think that that a structure is really good because for the people that stick with it and the people that are supported, then the child's going to learn a skill or some, you know, some habits that will be helpful in the future. I would let your listeners give advice on that because I don't have the ultimate advice in that area, but I do think it's important to have that structure and, and, and at least get them to do something that, um, that they seem to enjoy. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to force them into doing something that they hate doing. Right. Well, um, I have, I have a dilemma to face because uh, I see my uh, son's natural ability to dance and I see how great he is at that. <laughs> but he decided to retire at ripe age of eight because it's been already four years since he's been doing that. <laughs> so I got to find something else for him to pursue. Mm -hmm. And, and so what's, so what, what is your answer to that? I mean, what is it that, um, I mean, what kind of discussions do you have with your son when it comes, comes to what he likes to do or, or where he spends his time? I guess it, it changes, uh, with seasons and, and as you said, we are all inherently lazy. So <laughs> playing video games is always great. Well, it's hard and because you're, you're dealing with, you're dealing with such an addictive um source there right so that so you have you have tremendous amount of flashing lights and and you know audio signals and they've brought in psychologists to to help gamify these you know these video games and that's the same technology that's gone into gambling so they know how to to trigger within our minds this dopamine response where we get pleasure from from playing the game from rewards and it's tied into our biology and and this is this is a challenge because we have um, 
we do have this biological side with our with our being and we also have this consciousness that can override that biology to a level if we can if we can do that it makes a huge difference one of the things that um that i would do and especially it, it goes along with um punishment right so when you have punishment and rewards the what i did is um you know, for a young lady that I was dating, this is, she had, a, she was a single mother with the child. We brought in a, we brought in two jars and we, and one jar was a punishment jar and one jar was a reward jar. And we let, we let him pick all of the punishments that he wanted in to put in the jar. So he, he picked things like screen time. Um, you know, he tried to put a few things that were more rewards in the jar as well. But what would happen is when, when there was a boundary crossed and we, you know, we had to make sure that you couldn't punish until, there was clear communication that this is a boundary and a willing violation of that boundary. Then he would go draw from the jar. And it's like, it almost became something that he, you know, it's, it's like, ah, oh, you know, he realized later on that, he, that you can't be too strict on, on the punishments. Like when he first was doing the punishments, he was a little extreme in what he was going to punish himself as. I can't remember some of the in grounding for a month, I think was one. <laughs> and, uh, but then the, the reward jar was, everybody got to put into the reward jar, everybody in the family. So he would put in, um, he actually put in alone time or he put in screen time, um, one hour or two hours. And then the parents would put things in like, um, you know, pick a movie. It's like pick a movie, uh, you're in a pick and then the pick a movie, your son pick. And, and my partner put in dance, right? So she wanted to dance for, you know, with, with the family. And we would do that. We would dance for 20 minutes. And I, and boy, that was kind of punishment for me because, you know, I was, <laughs> you have to get over yourself, right? You have to, and, and I love doing that. I love dancing anyways, but it, uh, it, it's a little, you know, it's a little silly when, when you have your 10 year old in there, you know, in the mix and everything else kind of, you know, pointing out your awkwardness. But it's it's fun, you know. It's a fun experience for the family, and it's and we were laughing. We'd laugh so hard that our cheeks would hurt. And to me, that's kind of a beautiful bonding experience. I love that experience, and you kind of let the child pick, you know, the punishments, the rewards. I think that's amazing. It it throws in that that variability because this is this is the thing that I think is helpful. Um, you know, we want to we want to offload some of that doubt. And, and when you've, when you've gone through and, and established that, okay, this is, this is how we're going to handle things, the, our emotions move through these cycles. And if we, if we have this routine established that we know how we're going to handle that, it, it takes away the, the frustration. Um, my daughter was, was so willful. I mean, absolutely willful. Um, you know, I read a parenting book when I was younger and and so she was so strong-willed. I mean, she would take her an hour to get ready for school. You would dress her, she would take her clothes off. She'd want to, she'd want to go in the, the strangest clothes. I mean, it's like, and she was little at the time, but she had a sense of, of I am that was, that was so strong. And you can't break that out of a child. They will be that willful the entire life. And she, she remained so. Um, she's a quite successful business owner now and that everything that I, I saw as a challenge and, and you've got to break this, otherwise you're not going to be successful in life, um, allowed her to be successful, but she was not successful in the corporate environment. She had to start her own business. <laughs> so 
you know, that was, that was a challenge because I, I actually sat her down when she was in college and said, you know, she was not going to school. She was not taking her classes. And I said, why are you going to school? Um, and, and for the first, you know, the first answer was, well, I'm going because you want me to go. And then the second one was a teacher told her to go. And she, we went through this whole spectrum of answers. And finally she said, well, she wanted to make banks. She wanted to make you know, a lot of money. And I finally felt like that was a real answer that that was her reason for going. And when she told me that, I, I said, okay, good. Now we can figure out how to make the most amount of money that you can from going to college. And I told her, you, you need to have at least a B average. You know, you want, you want that first good job. And your grade point will get you into this space of being accepted for interviews. And then you can use your personality to sell it from there. And, but then I said, what is the challenge to that? Why aren't you doing your work? And she said, well, I don't like people telling me what to do. <laughs> and I said, that's going to be a problem because, you know, you're, I said, to be to, to make the money that you want to make, you have to suck it up a little bit. And, and for the first seven or eight years, you know, really listen, learn and listen to people and then become your own boss, right? You can move up into the management and then you can, then you can uh, go from there. And what I found is, I said, the other option is that you can start your own business. And I gave her, you know, all the people that didn't finish college that started businesses. And it doesn't matter what age you're in as well. I mean, you can, people have been successful that started their businesses in 60s, 70s, and 80s. So it doesn't matter where you're at in life. What matters is you have something that you love to do. And for her, I said, if you become a business owner, I said that you'll have, you have all of your customers to please rather than, you know, one person to listen to, you'll be listening to everyone. And that is the path that she took. And we'd have all these fights about money and everything else. And when she was um, around 21, she came to me and she goes, Dad, I've paid off all my bills and and I've got $100,000 in the bank. And I thought, what? <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that? And I knew she did it because I, I, she was a very, very bright child. Um, but what, what was curious about that was I was, um, I was wondering, you know, is she done now? Because she achieved a, a milestone and a goal that most people don't achieve. And she said, no, not until I hit a million. So she, she had already set her high financial quotient, um, which was much higher than most people and, and use that to move forward. So the, the reason behind this story is that all of the things that I tried to, to argue out of her, you know, the screen time, the friends on Facebook, um, you know, going to class, everything else, she actually did the opposite and was far more successful than if she would have, would have followed my advice. So it's, it's hard to say that, that you, we don't know what we don't know. But I think as a single parent, if we can bring it back to the space of just loving your child, right? Being there for them, trying to get a sense of emotional regulation in ourselves, to teach them high levels of emotional intelligence, you know, and, and what that means is that for people that don't know what the emotional intelligence is, is we've got emotions. That's that human experience of how we feel and how we process along with our cognitive, you know, rational thinking side. And then the emotional intelligence is understanding what it is that we're feeling. It's, it's bringing it into kind of a cognitive space where we're where we're mixing a little bit of that rational side to um, to what it is that we're experiencing, and then the third one is emotional resilience. 
So things happen in life that cause us hurt. They cause us strain. They, they cause our emotions to flex and to bend. If we're rigid, if we expect things to be a certain way, we'll break because we don't have that flexibility. The motion will, will move through. I always say it's like a wave. If, if you, if you don't flow with the energy, if you resist what you are experiencing, then it will come through. And the more resistance you give, that energy is what you feel. So it'll actually become stronger than, than what you experienced. And that can cause extreme stress on people. If you allow it that to move through and, and kind of flex with it and learn from it, um, it, it changes everything. And I always do a mindfulness technique. If somebody's struggling with that, it's to become self-aware. The first thing we can do is become aware of our emotions. And if we, if we do that, instead of ask, asking externally, what caused this? You know, why am I feeling this way? Why did you do that? Ask yourself, what am I feeling? What is it that I am feeling in this moment? And it's like, it's not judging it. It's not giving a reason behind it, but noticing, okay, if I'm carrying stress, am I carrying it in my neck? Am I carrying it in my back? Is it in my hips, right? Where am I feeling this feeling? And as you go and start noticing what you're, what you are actually feeling and then focus in on your breath, it'll give that chemistry time to dissipate. And over time, you'll become better at, at noticing the actual chemistry that's moving into your body when something is triggered. Because many of us are trained to experience this, but we never, we just automatic, we're an automatic program. We don't know why we're feeling what we're feeling. And if you start noticing early, then you'll realize that someone will do something in that thing that they do. And it could be your child, right? It could be an action, a behavior, a word will trigger this chemistry. And if you catch it early, you'll notice it right away when it's coming in. And then you can become curious. You can understand why was I triggered in that moment? Why did that cause this chemical response within my body? And, and then where did that come from? And if you can discover that, then you can, you can step into this path of self-awareness. And you can actually go back to that moment of do... I want to carry this belief with me. Is it something that belongs to me? I have parents that um, they're going on a trip, right? They're late and 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 the father went in to get something because he had forgotten it. So now he's all frustrated. Well, son wanted an umbrella. And so he goes into the house while the father's in getting his billfold. And and now the father is like, where's the, you know, where's the boy? Where's the kid? And he is just livid now, right? So his he goes into this rage mode of being upset um screaming at a small child that wanted to get his umbrella because it's a sunny day there's no chance of rain but the, the child is just patterning and, and mimicking the father right uh, he doesn't know any difference between the umbrella and the wallet and to him he wanted the umbrella right that's something that he'd seen before and you know it, i don't know i don't know whether it rained or not but that the, the whole thing was the father repeated something and when he explored it in his mind his father had done the same thing, right? He remembered a, a time in the past when his father had gotten upset when they were late and they needed to get something. And he yelled at the father now. So that patterning goes through and we repeat the patterns of our, of our parents. And if we can break that cycle, we can change how the kids are brought up. You are so right.
we're in this uh, vicious cycle and it takes awareness to break it and change and do something different about that. What kind of advice would you share for single parents who are just stepping onto that journey of single parenting? Be okay with yourself, Brenda. This idea of self-care, we we so often flex and bend to to try to accommodate the child, um, to try to accommodate the partner. We have all of these role identities. I think the best thing that you can do, especially if there's sadness involved, right? A lot of times when there's a breakup, there's there's a lot of stress and a lot of sadness. It's it's being okay with it. And in the way that you you manage that, right? So sometimes there can be anger and things like that. It's for the child, the best thing that you can do is to not villainize anyone, even if they are the most toxic type of person. And the reason that is, is because the child doesn't know any difference. If, if you're in, if they're in a relationship, the best thing that you can do is to be your best self and to, and to do your best to try to model the behavior that you want to model and to support the child, but they will pick up bad habits. They will pick up modeling from somebody that, that you feel is, is toxic. Um, And many times it's just triggering behavior. So they're going to pick up that same triggering behavior but it's being strong. So often more people that are sensitive or people that are agreeable are manipulated by those that, that do that for purpose. You know, that's where that narcissistic personality traits come in. If someone, someone will, they don't care. You know, you can't make them care. They may not care about the child. They may not care about the person. So if somebody has dealt with that, and you know, I'm in the process of finishing my book, Narcissist Proof. And it's not about the narcissist. It's it's because we can't even say what a narcissist is in, in, in my definition, right? There is a diagnosis. I'm not talking about that. I'm using a word that said, that conveys a set of behavior. And it's thrown around so frequently that that people don't understand what it is. It's this whole spectrum of of who we are and the, the behaviors. And it goes from self-focus. And in, in that that identity that bubble of identity goes from you know an individual to a family and, and bigger to, in my opinion, maliciousness, how how hurtful a person can be. So the most important thing a, a single parent can do and is to bring that focus internally. And if someone has been with a narcissist, they don't set boundaries. You know, that's one of the things that got them into that situation. It's it's understanding what are you willing to be uncomfortable right? Where are you willing to draw the line? Where are you willing to, to have conflict and to know that line? And it's hard because many times there's court things going on and and everything else when you just get into this single space journey, but it's, it's having that strength that, that you'll get through it and, and to have a network of positive people. And I think that's the hardest thing is, is often people feel like they're they're in this by themselves. They have no support structure. And the group that I have is the most important thing is connection. You know, people are coming in, they're getting connected. And I think if you have that space of positive people that are non-judgmental, then it can help support that. And I know that you have a group as well. And that that would, is what I would recommend is find your tribe, you know, find a space where you can move into being yourself and move away from focusing on what's wrong, the the hurt, the negativity, 
and slowly find your light again. Find that that makes you laugh, that makes you smile and move away from that sadness. And if, if I could give one bit of advice to someone that's going through this difficult time, it's find something to be grateful for every day is find that gratitude and slowly that will turn into happiness. You are so right. Thank you. Thank you so much. It, and finding the light, I think, is, is very important because in the midst of despair, we often forget that we have that light, that we have that inner uh, knowing, inner wisdom. And, you know, we'd rather listen to others. And I was, uh, I called in that boat of, you know, I didn't want to deal with conflict. I would choose peaceful existence and avoid conflict at all costs, but on the negative side, then, then there are no boundaries. The boundaries were often crossed and we're often experienced things uh, on a different level. So thank you. Thank you for uh, making that a, a notion. Uh, if people would love to uh, learn more about you and connect with you further, where would they go? So I've got a, a link tree, which will, will show the podcast and the groups that I'm involved with, um, the books that are coming out in, and we can put that into the show notes. It's Linktree. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, the forward slash, the number four, my best life, or they can email me at steve at my best hyphen life.com. It's, it's about this journey. You know, it's what we believe to be true will be true for us. And if we, if we focus on the better, I think that you can have both the most beautiful life and the most painful life coexist, right? And it's it's where we're putting our focus. And so, yeah, if anyone would like to reach out to me, I'm here. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom. I really loved our conversation and you hit on very important points you know, of self-awareness and emotional intelligence and letting kids kind of discover their gifts and us being... Uh, conscious guides yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom i loved having you no oh, thank you so much and you remember that we don't always have it right you know let your child be your child and there's this there's this this beautiful thing that that occurs not only is the the physical health of your child determined by age seven you know the overall longevity of health um, which means that you to be conscious of, of feeding them good you know good food, healthy food, right? Trying to minimize the sugar intake, things like that, which is which is hard for children. Their emotional level of of being, right? Their socialization, all of that is is really formed by age seven, and our minds operate in a different state of being when we're younger. So, as a hypnotherapist. Uh, we talk about how you, how you can shift your brain waves, uh, you know, how you're processing things to go into that trance state. Well, your children are in that trance state from zero to seven or eight years old. They don't have that distinction between imaginary and reality. And they are immense learners. They're absorbing everything. They're seeing what they're seeing. They're taking that in. So just be a little bit more graceful with yourself and, and, realize that we do make mistakes and that the children make mistakes, but we're on this journey together and have some fun, laugh along the way. Thank you. Thank you. Very important to laugh. Yes. Thank you so much.
If you like this episode, please share with somebody who would benefit. You can leave comments, topic suggestions, and add your reviews on Apple Podcasts. It also helps greatly when you download the episode. If you feel lost, emotionally hurt after divorce and want to rediscover who you are, you don't have to do it alone. Join our community on Facebook, Limitless Women, Self-Love, Mindset and Support for Relationships, where we hold trainings and various events to help you thrive and become happy again. Because life after divorce is possible and can even be great. If no one told you today, I want you to know that I love you and believe in you. Because you are limitless.